Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we are taking your voicemails to answer more of the fallout of the 31 to 17 week one loss to the San Francisco 49ers. It's a new football season. Le'Veon Bell is with the New York Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. But one thing hasn't changed, and that is that my bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Right now, you can double your first deposit with a first deposit bonus worth up to $1,000. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim your bonus. You bet. You win, you get paid. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. They say that hindsight is twenty twenty, and one day after losing his season opening week one matchup against the San Francisco 49ers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians spoke to the media again about some key factors which led to the Buccaneers losing their home opener. Here is what he had to say. After watching the tape, it was obviously through the penalties were probably the biggest thing in the game other than the turnovers. You know, we had a fourth and two and a third and ten that let drives keep going with, with questionable pass interference calls. One, one was pass interference. Um, the turnovers, you know, after looking at the film, the biggest problem with the touchdown for the interception was Peyton was about three yards too deep on his route. Last night I thought he was fine, but he was too deep. The ball was thrown perfectly. Mike missed his hot. Jameis executed the play perfectly, and the other two guys let him down. But, you know, the, the one for the screen, that's just got to be a throwaway. But uh, that other that other one was not, not on the quarterback. The other two were not on the quarterback. We dropped one right in our hands. So we've got to eliminate those type of plays if we're going to beat anybody. And uh, And... I thought defensively, great job of stopping the run um, throughout the entire game. Uh, they did a good job of finding a little counter play that worked for a couple of times, and we shut that one down. But overall, defensively, we can play better if we just eliminate some penalties and get off the field and, uh, and play really well. Offensively, the bright side, I thought, was the running game. I thought the running game and overall pass protection was pretty solid. And uh, we just got to do a better job of getting open and uh, scoring in the red zone. That was, probably other than the turnovers and the penalties, that was the negative thing for us. And then fumbling a ball in the red zone. So you're talking about a lot of points that we gave up in a very close game. You mentioned the route wasn't good with, with Peyton Barber, but that's not a great matchup even if he runs a good route, right? Well, if he stops at the right speed, he's wide open. At the right spot, okay. you know, Sherm didn't jump it. 
till the ball was outside. He was still in front of Sherman, just, but the ball was where he was supposed to be. So, yeah. How frustrating is it for you uh, to see Jameis in that offense being put into that two-minute situation where they, they still have a chance at the end there, um, you know, for it to oh, end the way it did? We, yeah, to, to, to throw an interception touchdown, yeah, you hate that. I mean, you, you think a screen is a safe call on first down. Uh, and uh, and it ends up biting you. So, yeah, you never want to end a game like that. Certainly some things cleared up and clarified by head coach Bruce Arians. Not sure it's going to diminish some of the frustration and anger from Buccaneers fans uh, following that press conference, but it does shed some light on some issues that were pointed out about quarterback Jameis Winston talking about an interception that was clearly not his fault despite you know, watching it on television, the broadcast looked like it was a, a bad throw. Turns out it was a bad route. That's why we look to coaches to to explain what they see on the film because we don't see the playbook. So definitely some great things to hear about from Bruce Arians. Touching on the on the defensive side of the ball, they did play an excellent, excellent game. You really like to see what Todd Bowles has done to help develop this defense and really change it from what it was the past couple seasons to what it is now and what it can potentially be down the line. Yeah, and going back to the interception where Jameis targeted running back Peyton Barber, who was matched up against cornerback Richard Sherman, like we talked about on yesterday's episode, that Richard Sherman really had dropped kind of deep into his zone and really didn't look like he was expecting the, the, the action to be coming his way with a running back lined up in front of him. And now coupling that with what Bruce Arians has said to the media today, if Peyton Barber, in fact, runs his route shorter uh, the way that he was supposed to, then at a minimum or worst case scenario, the pass gets broken up or dropped by Peyton Barber out there on the on the right quarter of the field. But best case scenario is Peyton Barber makes the catch. And Richard Sherman, who is definitely known as one of the better all-around cornerbacks in the league, still gives up a, a, a lot of weight and a lot of size to a guy like Peyton Barber, and who knows what he can do, uh, potentially getting another five or ten extra yards if he's able to shake free from from the defensive back. So always always important to get that context from the head coach and the quarterbacks uh, the days, days following the games to get, get a full picture of what happened and what went down to see how the team is going to move forward and try to build on some of the good, like Coach Arians mentioned, but also fix some of the bad things that happened that led to that week one loss. All right. Well, David, we are we are a day removed. I'm far less angry. I may still make some jokes. You know, I laugh to keep from crying kind of thing. But our uh, our wonderful listeners have called in. They have complaints. They have questions. They have all kinds of things to say. So this is going to be a voicemail heavy episode. Let's go ahead and just dive right into it. David, James, this is Greco. What a terrible day. I don't know where to begin with the Bucks, but I'm arguing with so-called fans about what we actually saw. I mean, it's like we saw two different games. One group of fans says this entire game is Jameis Winston's fault and is solely stuck on that. 
And then the other group of fans says Jameis Winston had a few bad plays and a few bad plays that could have been bad, but they weren't, which that's what I saw. I accept that, okay? That last interception by Jameis Winston, um, as far as I understand from Bruce, he said the running back didn't get out to the flat, and Jameis should have actually threw the ball wider to throw it away. So that was on Jameis Winston. So where do we begin with all the mistakes? I mean, the penalties, O.J. Howard, I mean, Godwin ran the wrong route at the end. He didn't break it off. I mean, there's just so many different things, little things, that ended up catching up to us. Not to mention, after we got the penalty and could have kicked the field goal and Instead, we got kind of greedy and decided to go ahead and score. But anyway, Bruce addressed that. So, guys, I'm all over the place over here. I don't know where to actually begin at, but Jameis deserves some blame. But we have a lot of penalties, and we're not very sync in our offense just yet. Love how the defense played. I know we'll touch on that later. Anyway, that's my take, guys. Peace. All right, Greco, thank you for the uh, for the call. No, this game is not solely on Jameis, not even close. Uh, you know, and I was as mad as anyone about the way Jameis performed yesterday. I'm still not happy about it. Uh, but the game wasn't solely on him. I mean, this is a guy that had thrown two touchdown passes that were called back because of penalties. You know, this is a team that had the opportunity to kick a field goal and make it a three-point game and opted to go for it on fourth and goal, which, I mean, I get it. That's that's B.A. That's no risk and no biscuit. I get all that. Um, but there were mistakes made by everybody. I'm not, I'm not going to place this game solely on Jameis. I still don't think it was the greatest idea to throw to Peyton Barber in that situation. But, yeah, you know, if if Peyton Barber cuts his route off three yards shorter than he was than he actually did, then you're looking at a at a completion and the ball's moving. Instead, it's six points going the other way. Same thing on the screen pass. You know, yeah, Dare didn't get out to the flat quick enough. That doesn't excuse Jameis for throwing the ball. He never should have thrown that ball. You know, it, again, it was first down. You take the sack and just try to make up for it later. You're in a situation where you're in four down territory no matter what because of the clock and and the game situation. So yeah, plenty of blame to go around. It, it's not all on Jameis, but he, I still think that Jameis needs to look a whole heck of a lot better on Thursday than he did on Sunday. So I didn't really have any. I mean, there there were no real, I guess, angsty feelings from from me about Jameis until he threw the interception on that screenplay. But again, one day removed. This is why we do our immediate reactions, and then this is why we come back the next day and we do more reactions because everything is a little bit better when you've slept. Everything is a little bit better as you get further away from it. And I kind of alluded to it. I don't know if I flat out said it yesterday or not, but I kind of alluded to it that, you know, it's 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 week one. It's one game. At, at, at the end of the day, no matter how many turnovers he had, no matter how many interceptions he threw, no matter how many fumbles there were in the game, no matter how many penalties there were in the game, they're all one loss. And if you have to take a loss and you have to have all these mistakes – You'd rather have them all in one shot because now you have all that film to look at. You have all those things to study. You have all those things to talk about as a coaching staff and as a team and how to fix them and come up with ideas. Taylor Jenkins uh, from the Pew Report, who if you're not following him, you need to, tweeted something out uh, some earlier today about, about a couple hours ago before we recorded. And it's a quote from Bruce Arians. And here's what the quote says. And this is Arians being quoted is, I did this with Carson Palmer last year. He had been in the same system pretty much nine years and he has ideas. Then you're trying to reprogram. 
it is much easier getting a rookie and brainwashing him than it is to take a veteran and change him totally into a into a new system. I try to never judge a quarterback in an offense until week eight. Now, Buccaneers fans are not going to want to wait eight weeks to get a somewhat complete version of Jameis Winston. And I understand that. I completely understand that. And I'm not necessarily saying it should take eight weeks for Jameis Winston to, to get this thing put together. But you look at who Jameis Winston is. Fourth quarter, clock's under three minutes. We need a touchdown to win the game. It's, on all, it's all on the offense. Screen pass on first down, got it. But this isn't a situation where a guy like Jameis Winston is going to want to throw the ball away. It's just not. I don't know if the penalty had anything to do with it earlier where he threw it out of the back of the end zone. Bruce kind of venture, kind of kind of speculated that might have had something to do with it earlier, but I don't know if that's it. You'd have to ask Jameis, and he didn't have a press conference today. But what I look at is a quarterback who, yeah, he, this is his fifth year, and I got it. But he's being asked to do things that might suit his skill set better. I think the screen game definitely definitely suits Jameis Winston's skill set better, and it's going to help set up things in the future that will help him be a better quarterback. But this is still the first game he's done this. This is still the first live regulation game that he's done this in. There are going to be mistakes. I'm not excusing it necessarily. I got it. Quarterbacks in high school are taught that if the screen doesn't develop within three seconds of the snap of the ball, you just need to get rid of it. I understand. But you're talking about a process here that Bruce Arians has already talked about. He's already been through it with guys like Carson Palmer. He's already been through it with other veteran quarterbacks. So for right now, right, if if Bruce Arians is saying this is kind of the path that we need to go with. This is kind of the way that we need to take this thing. And he is not ready to kind of throw in the towel and just get frustrated after one game. Then I think we all at least owe Bruce the, the benefit of the doubt to kind of jump on board with him. This isn't dirt cutter. And as much as there, as much scar tissue as there is with the Buccaneers fan base about Jameis Winston, about this team just in general over the last decade plus of failure, Bruce Arians wasn't here for that. His coaching staff wasn't here for that. If 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 the fan base, I mean, at the end of the day, Bruce Arians is going to do what he's going to do, whether the fan base is supporting him or not, to be quite honest with you. But I think as a fan base, it would be a lot healthier <laughs> as a group if Bucks fans would just kind of understand this is this is a new staff, this is a new thing. This one week of 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 mistakes and, and bad plays are one week of mistakes and bad plays. It's not 11, 12, 13 years of mistakes and bad plays and bad plays. Give this coach staff an opportunity to come in and fix this. Before we abandon ship at 0-1, before September 10th, let's give this coaching staff that has all this excitement and all this experience and all this success in the past an opportunity to come out here in week two and show something different. Because you know what? The defense is night and day from last year. Agreed? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So can, no doubt. Yeah. So if they can turn that defense <clears throat> into the defense we've seen so far, and I understand San Francisco's offense is not prolific. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. But still. It's an NFL offense. So if this offense can can if this defense can be turned into what they've been turned into, really in about a three month time period, if you look at the, these coaches have not had their hands on these players for very long, then I think we can get OJ Howard to stop giving the ball to the opponent in a few days. I think we can get Jameis Winston to understand, hey dude, next time you run a screen like that and it breaks down like that, don't do what you just did. I think Jameis Winston's capable of doing that. I think we can get Peyton Barber to understand what a five-yard dig is and what an eight-yard dig is. 
All right. Well, David, let's go ahead and jump over to the next voicemail. Hey, guys. It's Chef Aaron, 26. Uh, after the first game, the uh, pretty much the only good things that came out of that game were the defense obviously looks night and day. Uh, Bernard Hargraves looks rejuvenated. Uh, MJ Stewart, obviously, even though he got burned on that one play, which shouldn't have happened anyways because Carlton Davis was wrongly uh, penalized. That was not a catchable ball, and that was such a ticky-tack play. The officials were horrendous in this game. Anyway, MJ is starting to look like a better uh DB in this scheme than he had obviously did in Smith's scheme. And Rojo obviously is showing uh, that the whole bus label that was put upon him was uh, just way beyond fan overreaction. Now to the bad points. Bad, bad stuff. What can, what's not an overreaction at this point is Jameis. I have been a big supporter of his ever since he got drafted and have, his, and have believed in him since day one. But I just can't anymore. I mean, that drive in the fourth quarter, those are franchise quarterback making drives and Jameis on the first play I don't care what the what the assignment was missed with Dare he cannot throw that he has made that mistake consistently in his time and it's just it seems like it's just who Jameis is I mean his bad right now just outweigh his good and he cannot make his good consistent uh, I'm at this point where Jameis's long ball is just so badly disastrous it's just he cannot hit that long ball to save his life I mean I was going to go on a tangent saying people are going to blame Djax or blame Jameis uh, because Djax had a terrific day but Wentz is way more accurate than Jameis but yeah Jameis I'm out. I'm out on him. I think it's time to look for a new quarterback or maybe go to the Nick Saban model in Alabama and get a defense, a run game, and a game manager at quarterback. All right, Chef. Thank you for the call. I'm not I'm not going to freak out about the deep ball. David and I have talked about it time and time and time again. He couldn't get on the same page as Deshaun Jackson because Deshaun Jackson didn't even want to be in the same you know, reading the same book, let alone being on the same page. You know, we saw what happens when he actually puts forth any type of effort whatsoever. He has a great game. With Jameis, he didn't want to put forth the effort. He gave a 50% effort 25% of the time. With Perryman, it's going to take time. We know when Jameis is throwing deep to Mike or in throwing deep to Godwin, the connection's usually there. He had an overthrow yesterday. Was it timing? It could have been. Mike wasn't exactly himself. You know, he was over on the sideline heaving. He's not going to be, you know, moving at full speed. So that may have been a little bit of a timing issue. You know, deep balls are deep balls, man. Some guys are just, that's that's what their specialty is. Most guys are pretty much like Jameis. They're not going to hit that deep pass every single time. Uh, I think it's just magnified because of the, the struggles that he had with Deshaun Jackson. No, I, I don't think they... I don't want to say that I don't think that they need a game manager, but I think Jameis needs to try to be a little bit more of a game manager rather than what we saw against the Niners. Stop trying to be the hero and just be smart. Um. As far as the the defense, yeah, I mean we're we're going to continue to talk about it. They're they're night and day better. As far as the pass interference, and David, correct me if I'm wrong, because there's a good chance I I could be very sleep deprived. The pass interference call was because he impeded the receiver's ability to run the route. 
not because the ball was catchable or uncatchable, because had the receiver not been impeded, he probably could have gotten to that ball. So I think that's where that penalty comes in. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it doesn't matter that when the ball was, you know, where it landed versus where the receiver was. Well, if the receiver hadn't been messed with, he could have been where the ball is. That's why there was a pass interference call. Yeah, the the officiating was not great, but that was absolutely the right call. It sucks, but it was the right call. Yeah, it was it was definitely the right call. I mean, Carlton Davis did impede that receiver's uh, ability to go run his route, which is pass interference uh, by the by the very definition of the penalty and and the ball. I went back and looked at the ball landed like seven yards uh, ahead of the receiver. That's not when you're talking about a full, a full speed, you know, uh, receiver running in a straight line down the field. That's really not that much space. Now I still think that the ball would have been overthrown. Jimmy Garoppolo has a worse deep ball than Jameis Winston does. So I still think the ball probably would have been overthrown, which does make it more frustrating. But the, when, when you're talking about officiating and, and doing that on the field there in real time, you throw that flag because, the the receiver was not allowed to get up to full speed, stay at full speed, and, and complete the route because the defensive back grabbed a hold of him and, and impeded his his momentum. So as far as Jameis Winston's deep ball, yeah, I mean he's he's never been an elite deep ball passer. He's never going to be an elite deep ball passer. But you don't have to be an elite deep ball passer to be successful in the National Football League. You just don't. Uh, that's what coaches like Bruce Arians and and Byron Leftwich and Dirk Cutter and all that stuff are supposed to get paid for is figuring out what your quarterback does well and maximizing that emphasizing that uh over over everything else and it can be done if, if you do it right and and you know maybe Jameis winston does need a strong run game maybe Jameis winston is a quarterback who does need a strong defense there's there's nothing wrong with that guys i mean uh you know i i understand he was drafted number one overall so when you draft quarterback number one overall you look at kyler murray in arizona you're looking for a guy who's the savior of your franchise who you know is, is going to be better than everybody else and 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 one of the top guys in this position, but the, the truth of the matter is that just doesn't happen very often. It, it's it's just not how how it you know usually works out. To be quite honest with you, I don't know, man. Chef, uh, it's one week, brother. Um, I, I get the frustration, but you know, as far as looking for another quarterback, I mean, there there's no quarterbacks available that are going to do any better with what this team has right now than Jameis Winston. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars traded for Josh Dobbs. I mean, would you, can you really say you want Josh Dobbs over Jameis Winston at this point in time? It's not going to happen. And the the if the Buccaneers go looking for another quarterback, it's going to be during the offseason, either via the draft or free agency. Um, so you know, just just kind of buckle up, I guess, and get ready for the rest of the 2019 season because James is it. And yes, I know everybody's sick of talking about development with James Winston when he's a fifth year quarterback. But again, I, I I don't know really anybody who doesn't believe Dirk Cutter has impeded James Winston's development as a quarterback in the National Football League. So if you really believe that Dirk Cutter has been impeding Jameis Winston's growth, then of course he's got growing to do. You know what I mean? And and he's learning a new system. Uh, it, it's, we're rehashing all the same stuff. You know, if if Alex Smith didn't have five new offensive coordinators and new offensive schemes in the first five years of career, he'd be a Hall of Famer. It's it, it is what it is. But I just uh, saying that you're done after one week uh, is is definitely feels like an overreaction to me. You know, and, and maybe this is a, a discussion that we need to have for another day uh, because we do have more voicemails to get to. 
<clears throat> but you 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 start to put the pieces together and something that you said kind of started at me started me down this this train of thought you have a fifth year quarterback who is quote unquote still developing for the first 4 years of his career he had an offensive coordinator slash head coach who did not want him do you think that maybe Jameis Winston is still developing because for the first four years of his career, he wasn't developed because he was playing for a guy that did not want him? Right. And that, we've talked about that before, too. You know what I mean? It's it's come up in conversation. Jameis Winston's always a hot, hot button topic. But, I mean, guys, Jason, Jameis Winston's 25 years old. Like, you realize quarterbacks now, if they can stay healthy, they don't get any, you know, real bad injuries. They're playing until 40. I mean, this Duke potentially still has 15 years left in his career. Tom Brady is not the same quarterback as he was at 25. Um, no, he's better. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, you look at it. I mean, listen, Tom Brady yesterday, I, I don't know the stat off the top of my head. I saw it on Twitter. Somebody tweeted out that uh, the, the New England Patriots ran zero tight end sets more yesterday, like at a, at a certain rate than they did at all during the time they've had Rob Gronkowski. So Tom Brady's out here learning a new a new offensive scheme. Now he's he's Tom Brady. You know what I mean? So he lit up he lit up the Steelers uh defense pretty nice. But I mean, this is a, you know, 40 I don't know how tall Tom Brady is. I know he's near 40 if not already 40 or over 40. He's uh, over 40. Yeah, quarterback who's been doing. It. So this guy has seen it all. He's been through it all. But let's not pretend that Tom Brady won his first few Super Bowls because he was the GOAT. Tom Brady won his first few Super Bowls because of running games, because of defenses. So even Don't forget Vinatieri. Yeah, because of Adam Vinatieri, you know, may his leg rest in wherever he left it. You know, I, I mean, the, these elite quarterbacks don't become elite. Like Peyton Manning has had six interception games. And the thing is, is Peyton Manning has won six interception games. You know what I mean? Like every quarterback needs a team around them. There's not a single successful quarterback that has never had a team around him. Patrick Mahomes has the best tight end in the National Football League, one of the fastest receivers, if not the fastest receiver in, in Tyreek Hill, and he had one of the best run uh, running backs in, in Kareem Hunt until he decided to continue being stupid. And even then, his offensive line is, is, has done a, a pretty good job from what I've seen. I mean, I don't cover the Chiefs, but from what I've seen, the, the guy has all kinds of time to be out there and making the moves, and he's got a little bit of an extra physical skill set that allows him to make more time for himself when he doesn't. But Patrick Mahomes isn't out here taking the Chiefs AFC Championship game by himself. And Jameis Winston isn't out here losing football games by himself. Okay. If OJ Howard doesn't fumble in the red zone, if uh, Dario Gumbawale doesn't get blown up on that first punt in the game, if OJ Howard doesn't tip, tip drill an interception to a San Francisco 49ers defender, uh, if Mike Evans doesn't have the flu, um, if, if Dari fights through the screen, the screen traffic, I mean, I, I still put that on Jameis Winston, but even still, if like Dari had an opportunity to get out into that flat, it didn't, it wasn't perfect, but he had an opportunity to cut through a lane and get out into the open for his quarterback. He didn't do it. Uh, again, I still put that on Jameis Winston more than anybody else, but I'm just saying those possibilities are there. This team could have won that game. This team should have won that game. The Buccaneers were a better team than the 49ers. They didn't execute better than the 49ers. That's the problem. And it's they, it's not Jameis Winston. It's they now, Again, that screen interception, man, that was a moment. 
that was a moment and, and I get it and I got it. And I'm not blaming anybody for it, but let's not sit here and pretend that that team didn't lose that game. Just, just do that. Because if you're, if you're doing that, if you're looking at this from a team concept and you understand that team lost the game, the team lost the 49ers, then you can't sit here and say you're done with Jameis Winston because Jameis Winston didn't lose to the 49ers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost to the 49ers. All right, that's going to do it. Please make sure that you are checking out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Make sure you're sending us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Hope you all have an absolutely incredible day, and thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. Yeah.